not weird in the in the sense of spiritual things, but it certainly is weird in the world of of real estate and business and but we're not in the business business, so it's okay. So talk to him, ask questions. You can talk to me too. That's that's okay. But I have a, you know, everybody will hear because I have this microphone on. That that would be awkward. Okay, so we're doing the uh, last in this walking with God. So this is a new way to walk. So we got to this walk with God is not the norm. It's not the way people, human beings. Uh, on planet earth typically think you go to school you get an education you get a diploma you get a certificate you can get just degrees of all sorts and they won't necessarily cover these things and this is going to take people in a different direction though when you think about it these are the areas that are so primary if we were like preparing someone to do a job, we do some orientation, training. Maybe they have to have a degree. If they're going to be an accountant, they have to have a degree in accounting. They should be okay with numbers. And there, there would be some expectation that some of those things would happen. And you look towards the future, and how can I prepare for that? I'm going to be a doctor, going to be a lawyer, going to be a whatever... And you go, okay, I have to prepare for that because that's what's out in front of me. So we spend years doing all of those things. At the end of this life, at the last breath, last blink of your eye, where you will go, where you will spend eternity is the, I would think, the most important thing. This life is nothing but a hair's breadth in the picture that's, ahead and yet it consumes most of our attention most of our energy most of our complaints most of our joys and you're going huh that makes absolute sense unless i'm thinking i want to be a lawyer a doctor accountant there's something i have to do now to prepare for that what do i have to do in this life to prepare for the eternity to come unlimited Everlasting, coming, and I'm willing to sell out this. People do that, you know. They sell out this life because they think, well, I can get some joy, get some pleasure, get some money, get some something, and miss that, and or miss the best of that that's to come. To me, that just sounds stupid. I have struggled with this whole idea. Once I found out about this whole Jesus thing, I thought, if somebody hears about this, they're going to buy in. There is no better deal anywhere than this. I get through the Bible and I start reading that and I find out just amazing Thank you, Man, this makes sense. I, it just, just puts the pieces together. And I go, I'm going to share that with people. After I heard about the the whole gospel thing, I gathered a bunch of people that I knew that, that were into um, uh, walking with Jesus, got them together. We went to Shoto, met at the community center. They let me rent it for a day, and then we mapped out door-to-door everybody in town to go next 
go knock on their doors and say, hey, did, do you know about Jesus? Just, just making sure. And go to the churches, talk to, I talked to all the pastors. They, they were not happy that I came by. But it just, just seems to me that this would be like the best thing ever. Go to campgrounds, did that all summer after I came to the Lord. So if you were down at Bluebell Point, Flat Rock, guess who visited your campsite? Do you know about Jesus? Because, you know, this is really fun. I know because I live right down the road here. (laughs) I like hanging out here. But Jesus is better. And, yeah, people came to the Lord through that. A bunch of them said, thanks, you know, shut the door, move on. But you don't want to do that so much now as back then. <laughs> People aren't ex- all, all that excited to have you knock on their door. The other side of that is just in conversation, family, friends, and they go, yeah, heard about Jesus. Yeah, I don't care much for the church. No, you know, Jesus disappoints me. Or, you know, are you sure the Bible's really true? And you get a whole flurry of all those, all those things. I'm going, this is like the best thing ever. And you're here thinking that too because you're here so there's something about jesus something about knowing god that makes a difference what can we do to make our life here better so that what we're going to do and what follows is really off the charts let me remind you when you get to heaven it is not a communist state not everybody's equal oh you made it to heaven everybody's in it's all equal. We're told in Hebrews 9.27 that you die after that comes judgment. You know why? You realize that's written to believers. In case you didn't realize, that's written to believers, the book of Hebrews. There are uh, very few biblical books, you know, there's 66, that are written to the, uh, the ungodly, the people who don't care about God, the unbelievers. In fact, exactly zero. They're written to God's people because God, that doesn't mean others can't read it or get good out of it, but it's written to the people who come to God, want to know, want to grow in him, want to develop in him. And he says, I've got something more for you. Come, listen, walk with me, follow me, go where I'm sending you because I've got something great. And it's only the beginning. You get a taste of it here. We're supposed to be helping get the kingdom of God here like it is in heaven Isn't that what Jesus said to be praying for? I mean, that's the repetitive prayer people pray that they don't mean. Like, I want that kingdom, I want God's will on earth like it is in heaven. Well, no, because I want to be mad at somebody in my family. I want to be ticked off about the government. And I want to be, he's going, why do you keep praying that? You really mean that? Because this is the time to ask him to come and do that thing. Do you know where he starts? Not at the White House. In your house. He starts with you. So, if we're going to pray this stuff, if we believe that he really is who he says he is, it's time to really trust him, really bring that about, take that in. Right here, this walking with God in the world means we're going to do that. We're going to walk with him. We're going to bring that kingdom in. We're going to bring that kingdom, uh, allow it to be alive in us, and then live that out. So that's where we are. New way of walking. God's best. This is out of Psalm 32, 8. 
which says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. So God, the Almighty, the Sovereign One, the Most High, sitting on the throne, is looking at you and saying, you know, I designed you before the world was made. I knew your name. I knew you. And I knew what situation you would be in. I knew what was going to unfold. And I've got a plan for you. And I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Now, that's not an automatic thing. Because, you know, that, some of us just go, well, you know, the Lord's good. And the Lord blessed me. And, and whatever I decide is what God wanted. And it's all, you know, No. The best pathway is following him. The best pathway is walking with him. Best pathway means somehow we're joining forces with him. So he says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. This is really individual. I will advise you and watch over you. That means he communicates. So we spent this last weekend in a retreat learning how to hear him, how to better listen to his guidance so that when he advises, we actually are responding to that. Our human tendency is just to do it our way and just figure we already know and we got this. We don't need that kind of stuff. We don't need God interfering with us. So, you know, we stay away from having too much of that. But he's saying, I will advise you. And you got to say, well, isn't that nice? Because this God that's in a faraway place like heaven is going to be involved in my life here. And he doesn't even know what I'm going through. And we're out of cornflakes. So this morning is horrible. And he's just, come on, I know exactly what's going on and what's in your cabinets. So I will advise you and watch over you. He's going, he wants to take care of us. Here's the next verse. God's desire. Psalm 32, 9. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Huh. If you ever dealt with one, you'd know what that's talking about. A senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. It follows this by, by saying it won't even come to you. This thing, you've got to have a rope. You've got you to gotta coerce it you got to put out some feed you got to do something to get this thing because it's not even going to come up to you it's just it's just rebellious it just wants to do its thing it's headed back out to the pasture it's that one and he is saying you got to you got to change your attitude about this be the person who wants to come to him that wants to have his leading who wants the best pathway in their lives who wants god's best now and for all of eternity that's what he's asking we are according to jesus supposed to have this commandment in our minds that we are to love god with all our heart mind soul and strength that's the top commandment but by the time we go well he doesn't understand me I mean, we may say it in church that we agree with that, but when we get out there on Monday and we're going, nah, you know, this frustrates me, that person ticks me off, I, I don't like how this situation is, I don't like that institution, I don't like that restaurant, it just, you know, pretty much the whole world stinks. And he's, I've got the best pathway for your life. I want to advise you. Come to me. You go, no. Nope. So he gets the rope, he gets the bridle, he, and he tries that. I mean, he can he can lead us around. 
And, and that's, a, that's just a tough place to be uh, because it hurts at times. And it hurts to be roped. It hurts to be led. It hurts when we're pulling against that all the time, fighting the bit, trying to go a different direction. He's saying, I just want you to take the bridle off and just come. Just, let's just go do this together. And that's kind of a neat picture. I don't know if you ever watched some of those old, you know, Black Beauty and Fury and all those shows that had horses that actually liked people and would <laughs> go along with them instead of fighting them. That's the idea. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. So don't be like that. So this, this is, goes against the human nature and the way of the world and be your own person and, you know, I am woman, I am strong, I am the hero warrior man, I am, you know, we come up with all that crap and it really, you go, you really want to hang out with those people? Because how delightful is it, really? A little over the top. But what if we actually humble ourselves before the living God, fall in love with him, and find this best pathway that is available to us? We walk with him. Well, here's what he does in this discipline thing, because this is part of the bit and bridle. God's discipline. God disciplines those he loves. Here's some references for you. You can just check those out later. Hebrews 12, 6. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to go along, but he's letting us know to be under discipline is not because he hates us, but because he loves us. He wants better for us. He wants us to pay attention. He's got the bit and bridle on us to take us to the best place and to learn the best things and to experience the best life and and. He doesn't want us to be fighting him on everything all the time. So he disciplines those he loves. So it kind of gives us a a clue. Scripture tells us that it's inspired by God. God himself has given us Scripture. And we're going to include all Old Testament, New Testament, say these words from God are for us so that he can keep us on this pathway. He's going to keep us from, uh, when the bridge is out, driving off into the river. He's going to be the one to uh, retrain us so that we're going in a direction that is is for our best and will make a difference to the people around us, the people we love, the people in our community, people in our church. He's going to train, help us train to be the people that we were designed to be. And somehow inside we listen to uh, the world around us, what's cool, what was acceptable, and whatever that means to us Uh, from days of old or if if you're on the Internet now, then there's something that grabs you and you go, well, I want to be like that person. And God in heaven is going, why don't don't you go after being who I designed you to be? Because I'm thinking that's pretty cool. So cool, in fact, I sent my son to die for you, to be you, in my family. And you want to be like that, like the world. You want more stuff like the world. You want to sound like the world. You want to look like the world. I made you to be you. That's the best. That's what I'm waiting for. You. 
And we pushing against our bit and bridle or going off in our own direction. And he's going, no, I got something for you. I'm going to send you a book. And it will give you some instruction on this stuff. And if you work it, not just run through it real quick, but actually follow the instructions and begin to train on those things, practice those things, you will emerge. Just keep doing it. Well, it didn't happen on Tuesday, so I guess it ain't working. Stay at it. Let him work. Bring it out. You will emerge. Uh, God's discipline. So he corrects. He does use the scripture to correct, and he will convict us of, of things through that. It's worth getting into the scripture so we can learn the right things. But another God's discipline is separation. First Thessalonians 5.19. If we don't listen to him then we put out the Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit to us when we become believers. That empowers us. He will teach us. He will come alongside us. He, he is the light within us. And we can say, you know, I just don't believe you. And then separation happens. The separation theme is throughout Scripture. I just chose one because, again, there are 66 books. There's, there's a whole lot of this. Let me give you an example. Adam and Eve were close to God. They're walking with God in the garden, in perfection, in this paradise. They decide, not good enough. We're going to go a different direction. We want to go our way. As a result, the whole human race is separated from God. They are sent out of the garden. No more paradise for them. They have to go out into the world. He's still working with them, and he still wants them back. He still wants his human family. But they're separated. They don't have all that they had at the beginning. Israel, he says, you're my chosen people. I'm going to do amazing things with you. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And so they go into the land and they have a tabernacle. They're worshiping God. And it doesn't take long until they're worshiping other gods. And he says, stop it. They don't stop it. So he says, well, if you don't stop it, I'm going to have to separate you which led to an exile. Exile is separation. Northern Kingdom, 722 B.C., the Assyrians come in, take them away. They're gone. Southern Kingdom. Y'all pay attention. There's Southern Kingdom. Y'all pay attention. I have this for you. I brought you into this land, and you are to worship me, not those other gods. They worship the other gods. He said, all right, that's it. Sends in the Babylonians in 586 B.C., hauls them away. They are now separated, exiled. It's happened again. It's just God says, I'm offering you something great, and I'm, but you have to go with me. There isn't an automatic thing, which would be the back to the, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. People like partial verses or verses out of context like that. So I just put that up, see, I get that. I see them on the internet, these memes, and if if you just, you know, today, God is going to, anybody reading this meme will get a million dollars, and I'm going, I just read it, I am so excited, I can't, I'm going to go to the mailbox, no, where do they get these things, they take a partial verse, they stick it on there, without finding out, did God have any, like, requirements for anybody and the million dollars may require, like, working. I will guide you along the best path- pathway for your life, and I will advise you and pa- watch over you. It, 
his advice is, walk with me. Get close to me. Learn about me. Discipline yourself. Get, get close. So the opposite of separation is going to happen. We believe him. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. We're going to get into the scriptures. We're going to learn what it is that he wants from us so we can live the best life possible. And we begin to include that so much in our lives. That it's not just information about, yeah, this group believes that. We believe this. We No, this is me. And now I glow because the Holy Spirit is in me, the light in me. Now I flow because the river of the Spirit is in my heart. And now the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith, and the self-control flow because he's in me. Or I can fight him. Let me give you the word again. Separation. Exile. Far from God. You've experienced it. I don't even have to ask for anyone to raise their hand because it happens. We get stubborn and we think we got it all together and we miss it. And he has something so much better in store. Self-discipline. So that's God's discipline. He'll come down on us. But this, these are things that we can in, in get involved in ourselves. So discipline my body, 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. And Paul says, I, I, I'm going to take my I'm going to make my body my slave so I can do what God would have me do. Let's just see how that works. So I'm going to make my body my slave. So I'm not, you know, I'd rather sleep than get up. I don't want to spend time with God. I have to go to work. So I'll, I'll get up last minute and show up for work. But to, you know, actually get up. My body says no. My body aches. My body wants sleep. My body, Paul says, I'm going to make my body my slave. My body is not in charge of me. I want God to be revealed in me and through me. And that means making sure my body, which includes our brain and all the rotten thinking, says, make it my slave. I want my body to answer to me. I'm not answering to my body. But I got aches and pain. I'm not listening. I'm not answering to my body. My body answers to me. I am Lord of my body. God has given you that responsibility. You are in charge of all within your skin. And he says to take that, to love him with everything we got, to use that in a positive way, to take that in, to discipline ourselves, to discipline our bodies so we can do that which is right before him. Practice pursuing God, First, or first, yeah, first Chronicles 16.11. First Corinthians was the first one. First Chronicles, the second one. So just in case you're you know, getting those confused, just like I just did. Practice pursuing God. Pursue him. Go after him. When you date, and that kind of dating situation happens, it's amazing. You want to be with someone. You want to set aside time for that person. You will spend your last nickel trying to be part of whatever is happening in their life 
and because you're pursuing them. And maybe after you get them, you're not so interested, but there's a point where you are pursuing them. This whole idea of God says, come seek me, pursue me, give me your attention. But we can get distracted by all the other things around us in the world. So he's saying, nah, you got to practice this, pursuing God. First Chronicles 16, 11, work at knowing and living God's way. Ephesians 5, 15, 17, work at knowing and living God's way. Knowing the scriptures, finding out what are the priorities, what are the main things, how do I do this? Uh, how can I use it well? And then how do I use my time? Because that's one of the things that's included here in Ephesians 5. How do I use my time? Is is my time, well, it's my time and I deserve a break today. He has called us to something that seems in the moment like this is just impossible. This is crazy. This doesn't even, this doesn't fit with the world that I know or or the way that I'm wired. You know, probably not because the world is under the influence of the evil one and you've lived in that a long time. So yeah, if that feels normal, if all of what I'm telling you seems abnormal, that makes sense because this comes from him and he's asking us to change and it's going to be way different than what the world's offering. And he's saying, come pursue me, come my way, seek me out, practice this, work at knowing and understanding me. I've got, you know, sent out some book suggestions in, from last week as well. I know many of you got those books and have started uh, reading or listening to audiobooks and going through some of that, but that helps because we're finding out some, some more about who God is and how he operates. And then living God's way, we need to know what that information is. How do we fit it into our calendar, our schedule, our how how do we put energy into that? What do we do with our resources, our money, the things we own, the cars, the places, the whatever else we've got? How do we live this? And that's Ephesians 5. Work at knowing and living God's way. And because you want to, because you want to. This is out of Exodus 33. And the whole of Exodus 33 is really good, so I just left it there without giving you a verse. It's just good stuff. Well, Exodus is pretty good. The whole thing. Anyway, this is about Moses, and he is—he's already led the people out of out of Egypt. He's seen miraculous things happen, and he has been. Uh, well, he, he's at the burning bush. It didn't burn. God talks to him, so he, that's pretty cool. So he's had some really interesting times with the Lord, and yet he wants more. He wants more. He is doing what God's called him to do, risking his life to do it. And then he goes to the Lord and says, I just, I want, show me your glory. Which means, just, you know, reveal yourself and, uh, more completely. And he got the information of, well, you can't see, you know, humans can't handle the full, full blast. So he can't do that. But he lets him see some. And he puts him in the cleft of the rock, and he lets him, you know, God goes by, and he gets to, gets to see. But he gets to see his glory. That's want to. I've seen a bunch. And he's even writing the book that the rest of us are looking at. And he still says, 
I want more. I want more. Show me your glory. And you can ask him too. And he's got more for you. And he wants you to know him. That's part of being in this family is getting to know the one true and living God. And he has more that he wants to reveal all around. So Exodus chapter 33. But we have to move. So this is where James comes in. James, the brother of Jesus. Jesus is the older brother, half-brother. but he's, he's the older guy. And then here's James writing. And he said, this is, this is going to be really important for everyone. Come close to God. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. So, okay, so there's a relational aspect to this. Does God automatically make everything about him known to you? No. Just like any relationship that you have, it takes a little bit of effort. And he wants to see if you are interested enough to come to him. Come close to God. Come near him. Find out what he's got to say. Find out what he's written in the book. Find out what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal. There are so many aspects in the book of James that, well, there's 66 books that cover this stuff too, but this is like this, in this book, he is saying again and again, come or do, or don't just read the word, do it. That's right in the first part. He, he's just reminding us that there's an action on our part. If we want to experience the closest, closeness of God, he's ready. And he's ready for us to come close. And we choose, well, I'm busy. Lord, you don't know how much I'm uh, frustrated or achy or all of these other responsibilities. And he goes, no, I do know that. I just want to know if you want to come close. And, and if we do, he's there. He comes, he comes close to us. It's fascinating that, he, that he's willing to do that. This is God on the throne, willing to do that. In chapter 5, next chapter, he says, you want to be well? You want to be physically well? Then you go. You go. You take responsibility, and you talk to the elders of your church, have them pray for you, and then we'll go from there. Does he say you can't take medicine or because there are people that see that? Nope, not at all. He's all about having good doctors. Luke, by the way, was a doctor. Remember, he wrote one of the books. So he's not opposed to doctors. He just wants to make sure that you come close to him so then the doctors do the best job they can so that you can have the best care that's possible. And sometimes you don't need a doctor at all because he just handles it right after the prayer. What I want you to see is the responsibility is on us. Come close. Come to him. Ask him. And then we sort of approach things differently when we realize, oh, that responsibility is on my side. Instead of, God, how could you have given me cancer? God, why did you let that car wreck happen? God, why did I get fired? God, why did they do whatever they did? And you go through this whole list of stuff. And he says, why are you coming to me now when you could have come close earlier? You could have just come and asked about some health things, but you were 
And he also has instructions in the scripture about many of these things. Is it an automatic health pill? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a step in here that gets missed. Come close. Come to him. Don't just read the word. Do it. Because he wants us to have the best life possible. And that requires we walk with him. And we love him. We respond to him. In contrast to love, loving God with all we are, we have this, 1 John 2.16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Do not love the world. That's what 1 John 2 is telling us. But love God. Love people. Love what he's going to provide. Is there, can we enjoy the things of the world? Sure. Just don't love them. Don't make those the main thing. The craving for physical pleasure. You like to eat. You like comfort. You like your recliner. You like your entertainment and TV. You like sex. You like being out. Just put that, all those things. Yeah, huh. Yeah, I guess so. A craving for everything we see. Jealous, envious. Look what they have, look what I don't have. Look what they look what they look like, look what I look like. Holy moly. We just come up with this whole list of things and he's going, no, nope, that's not it either. Not it. What about our achievements and what we have and the property and the look what Medals I've gotten and trophies and not that either. Not that. It's a relationship with the living God, to love him with all we are, to walk with him the way he says we walk with him. We don't define it. He does. We come close to him. He comes close to us. We love him. He already loves us. He's just waiting for us to respond to that. And we don't need a bridle in a bit. We just come. We just follow. We just want to be available. And we don't need that anymore. New way of walking with God. Pursuing him. Going after him with everything. Without excuse. Without complaining. Pursuing him. Purposeful. Knowing that that's what we want to achieve. That we want the best life here. We want God's kingdom alive and well on this planet. If it's just me and a circle around me. I want it here because he told me to do that and I'm getting ready for full on his kingdom. But I want people to know it. I want to rescue some from here and they can come too. Pursuing, purposeful, practiced. That means we actually put the effort in and train, which is part of what we did over the weekend with the retreat, spending some time listening to God, then responding to how he gives us direction. And then the follow-up to that was a period of time where those who did that could take their personal issues, whatever things are unfolding, what future things, decisions they need to make, they could take those to the, to the Lord, having just practiced listening to him go left or right, and then they can say, here's, here's my big, big decision. Do I go left or right? And practicing, okay, I'm hearing from God. 
or I'm just going to fill in with what I want anyway. And that practice is vital to seeing this become habitual, natural, so much so that we take on the mind of Christ and we become more and more Christ-like. It's a whole new way of walking with God. Pursuing purposeful practice. And you can do it. You can do it. But you have to want to. You have to want to. So, do you want to? If you want to, you step into this whole new arena and you allow God to do some things maybe he hasn't done before. You allow him to work in ways maybe you haven't seen before. And you experience his closeness in new ways as well. So I invite you to do that. We're going to pray and you say, Lord, I want to. Father, thank you for allowing us some time together. Thank you for uh, just loving us, patiently loving us. We do live in a world that kind of gets our attention, so we need, we need more of you. I, I pray that you would reveal your glory to those here, to those uh, watching from other places. Lord, that you would work in such a powerful way that you would reach in to each heart and Lord bring them up let them see how good and wonderful and perfect you are and I pray Lord that we would change from people who may need a bit and a bridle to people who just are right there with you desiring to be close and experiencing that life that life that will be ours for the endless years ahead. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.